0: Host Jeff Dawson for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. a somewhat cloudy Dallas, Texas. We're getting some feedback there, it sounds like. There it goes. Much better. Cloudy, cool, but overall, it's not too bad. It could be a lot worse. So we'll take what we can because we always know that come June, July, and the heat starts settling in, it's pretty damn brutal. So Enjoy it while you can, and tomorrow is Easter Sunday. He has risen, and that's going to be my book review today on one that I wrote, and it's called Why Did Everything Happen? You know, how many times have you gone through your life and wondered, why did everything happen? You know, why did this go wrong? Why did a relationship not work? Luckily and sadly, because it is a double-edged sword, I asked that question after my fiance Debbie Beck, died from breast cancer July 20th of 2009. We had reunited in January, and then she passed away. And I was like, I just don't understand this. What the hell happened? I'd lost my partner, I lost my dad, and now I lost Debbie to breast cancer. (coughs) Excuse me. And I got those questions answered at a cemetery in Sigerville, Texas, a month after she passed, and it was quite a revelation on why everything happened. Now, if you're if you're a Christian, you'll enjoy it. If you just are, you have faith, and religion doesn't interest you, you'll enjoy it. It's a really good story because I talk about. You know, everything that went on in my life, why did businesses fail? Why didn't relationships work? And I was able to look back and say, because if certain things would have fallen the way they should have, I probably wouldn't have been able to take care of my dad his last seven months or Debbie, her last seven months. So I'm not going to say it was an easy journey by any stretch of the imagination, but it was definitely one well worth traveling and you can get it on Amazon, Jeff Dawson, amazon.com. It's the ebook is two ninety nine. If you would like a printed signed copy, that's $10. And what it really is, it's a, it's just not a book. It's, it's more of a presentation. It runs about an hour and 10 minutes. It has two videos in it. And I believe I've got like three pieces of music that I play that add to the presentations. I tell the story of my journey and a lot of people can relate to it. It's, it, it's, it's pretty heartfelt and it's not that long. And I'm really proud of it. It was the first book that I wrote because the passing of Debbie was definitely very fresh in my mind. And that was really, really tough, but I have a lot of other books on Amazon that are available in fact i have one just about debbie it's called love's true second chance and then i had a follow-up which is it's a shorter story but it's what's it like living with breast cancer because you hear people talk about i mean 35,000 men and women die from this terrible disease every year and it's tough it's it's so what do you do when you get that diagnosis that your loved one or yourself has breast cancer and what's it like to live with that. In fact, any type of cancer, my partner had colon, he colon cancer, that surgery was successful, but it's already spread to his liver. And my dad, I forgot exactly what he had the medical term, but I mean, when you're living with someone with cancer, how do you live? How do you react? How do you move forward with your life? And those are the topics that I cover on that. And I'm really proud of those three works. Okay, let's see. If you want to call in, because we're going to talk about baseball and my favorite sport, but we're also going to talk about this Georgia bill. The number to call in is 888-627-6008. But let me get into this bill before you call in, because its I've got a lot of notes on it. I think I've got four pages here. But I'm definitely going to want comments today and call-ins. Okay, because this is a hot topic. It was hot when I first heard about it two weeks ago or three weeks ago after I had read HR1 which I'm working on a video for that, but so baseball started. I was so damn excited. We had that shortened bastardized season of 60 games. The Dodgers win the World Series. Everybody's happy. There's great rejoicing, but it was only 60 games. That's that's not even enough to get warmed up. Let's be honest. That's the warm-up, the first third of the season, basically. Little, It's a little more than a third, but come on. So I was all excited about watching the Rangers and the Kansas City Royals, and I looked at the listings. It was going to be on Fox Sports Southwest, and it didn't happen. That really pissed me off, but I was able to find an online – site where i could at least watch the score and see the highlights so that was a good thing and it was a really good thing because at the after the top of the first inning it was five to nothing rangers so there was definitely great rejoicing and then i watched the bottom of the first click 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 by the time it was over it was five to five go what the hell You don't get a five-run lead and then give it up. Well, those of us who are Ranger fans, we're used to giving things up. And they not only gave that up, but in the end, they lost 14 to 10. I mean, if you were there, you can't be upset. You saw a lot of offense, but you also saw some horrible pitching. The Rangers used seven starters. The Roy- I mean, not seven starters, seven pitchers. The Royals use seven pitchers. I'm glad I said that because I've got a note I've got to add here at the end. And I wanted to go through the current ERAs of the Ranger pitchers. The starter, Gibson, his is 135. That's something to write home about. Hearn is 7.71. Cody is 27. Spores and King, hey, now they came in, 0.00. They did their job. Geis, 27, Allard nine. Those are not stellar stats. And this is what I afraid of. I was afraid of at the beginning of the season, and I have talked about it on other shows, that I'm not worried about the defense. I'm not worried about the offense. I'm worried about the pitching. Well, here you go on the hitting side, okay, Falefa, one for five, Dahl, three for five, Gallo, two for three, Solak, one for five, Trevino, three for five. I'm all about that. I wanted him to start like two years ago, but they kept holding him back. White, two for four, Holt, one for two. So offensively, hey, it looked pretty good. I was excited excited about that but I'm not excited about the pitching at all. I mean, no one can get excited over those numbers, and I don't want to hear the argument, well, it's early in the season. This is Gibson's second year there. This is Allard's third, I believe. And, and the one thing I looked at on the Rangers is how many of their starters right now, and they've the roster was up to, think, 28 or 29, How many of these are one-year contracts? 18. 18 are one-year contracts. How do you rebuild a team with one-year contracts? This is what they were last year. I see no plan of attack from the Rangers doing anything of importance. I don't see them building. Everyone says, well, they're rebuilding. I've been watching this for eight years. Well, you got to stop rebuilding and start performing and show a core. I mean, who, if you went and looked five days before the season began, who the starting lineup was, Rugnit Odor was on it as the starting third baseman. And two days later, he not only isn't a starter, he's not even with the organization. Someone tell me how in the hell does that happen? You listed him as a starter, and now you really don't have anybody to play third base. What type of thinking is going on in your brain-dead minds? I don't understand it. It's utterly ridiculous. It's pathetic. I see no plan. None. Now, on a really cool note, about eight years ago, I have a Facebook site, Cadillac Baseball Power Hitters Association. and. I would obviously, we talked baseball, and people would come in, they'd chime in, we'd talk about games and strategies and managers and players. But a couple of people would send me videos of their boys playing. And I really started following this one kid through the end of his high school days, through his career at I believe it was Lehigh State in California, where he played college ball. And then he got that minor league contract. Well, I am proud to say, and her, his mom, is so, mom and dad are so happy, they don't know what to do. Connor Brogdon made the Phillies starting lineup. Not only did he do that, he got to come in in relief in the bottom of the ninth for the Phillies his first game The Phillies win it in 10, and Connor Brogdon gets his first major league win. Now, how cool is that? And if you were his mom, and luckily, they were able to take off work, fly out to Philly, and watch their son play. Your first appearance in the majors, and you get a win. And I've, I've watched him develop through the years, and it's like watching Nolan Ryan's form. Not quite the same mechanics, but he's just as fluid and calm and composed on that mound as can be. Barring any injury, I look for him to have a very successful relief career (coughs) with whoever he plays with it's just so cool to know that I got to watch him starting when he was say 16 17 and now he's in the majors as a bona fide starter that is really cool and and I know there were times that his mom would ask a quote would ask a question or about his form or something and i would just give my two cents this is what i see see if he can smooth that out a little bit obviously he's got a lot more knowledgeable coaches now than i am but to know that i had just a small part of that is is really cool and you know congratulations connor you made it and your mom and dad are ecstatic Okay, announcers. Those of you who have listened to me know how I feel about newscasters and announcers. Can't we come up with a filter that we can put in our TV to where we can still get the crowd noise and the game game noise and the announcers are done? Wouldn't that be cool? Because I had to listen to Mendoza, Ravitch, Perez, Kirkjin, Fleming, and then he got Nitwit and Raymond with the Rangers. These people are paid way too much money to talk. I always go back to the movie Angels in the Outfield where you've got the rookie announcer and the veteran, and the veteran puts his hand over the mic and goes, less is more. Well, you know, to all these people calling baseball games, take that to heart. Less is more. I don't need you bobbling your head. And when Mendoza starts laughing and cackling, it's just like, oh, God, she's taking her fingernails and running it down a chalkboard again. Shut the hell up. I don't need you to just keep babbling and talking and talking. Let the fans take in. This isn't radio. We can see what's going on. You don't need to spend two minutes breaking down the same pitch over and over and then making your, your ridiculous assumptions on what the batter is thinking or the players are thinking because nobody cares. They really don't. Maybe your producers do, but other than that, the regular fan, we just want to watch the game. We want to watch the game. And and during the Dodgers game, that was Mendoza and Fleming. It was so pathetic. I mean, it, it was a great game against the Rockies. But so the Dodgers get two men on base. And you'd swear listening to these two clowns that they were about to score seven runs. And they did this twice during the game. Never said it about when the Rockies got men on base. It was only the Dodgers. No, they're going to have this big inning. Oh, they're going to blow it open. And then a ground out, a fly out, a strike out, and the inning's over. Well, I guess that didn't work out too well. You think? Dumbasses. It's just appalling it just goes all over me and and I really liked this and and Fleming said it so this is game one out of 162 and he comes up with this brilliant statement of well there's a lot of baseball left to be played what math you got a math degree or something you think you need to tell the fans there's another 161 games to go you idiot duh When we're in the fifth inning of a game, there's a lot of baseball left to go because we don't know what's going to happen, especially when Bellinger hit that home run and Turner didn't realize that Tapia didn't catch it, and he turns around and scrambles back to first. Bellinger passes him. Bellinger's out, and Turner gets to round the bases because it was a home run. But by the rule, you can't pass a runner, and it happened. So all of your BS predictions and thought patterns, we don't need them, we don't want them, and we don't care about them, okay? Try and do what Vince Scully did and Mark Holtz, who passed away, he was a great ranger announcer. Just call the game. We don't care about your analytics, your metrics, your, or where you had dinner or who you met. Just call the game. Why don't you try that? Wouldn't that be a novel idea as fans if we got to sit there, drink a cold beer, eat a hot dog, watch the game with our own commentary? Yeah, they can come on and, you know, there was a time where we didn't have the balls and strike counts and all the graphics we do today. Well, we've got all that. We can see what the count is. Now, if you got bad eyesight, okay, you might not mind if they, Mention that and who's batting and show the stats, their average and RBIs and stuff. But I don't need you to just constantly talk for the duration of a game just to hear your head rattle. Because, you know, all you got to do is shake it and we can hear it rattling. Okay. Now, if you really like my work and you enjoy the show, I have a GoFundMe jeff dawson motivational speaker and author for hire and then i have a jeff dawson patreon because it's been a really tight year and we need to start generating some money or buy my books on amazon any of those will work and i do motivational speeches on baseball management techniques and definitely breast cancer okay Now, we're getting close to getting to this Georgia bill. Yesterday, I about lost my mind. I have a YouTube, Jeff Dawson, and it's Director59, where I did a video when I found out that that panty-waist Manfred had canceled the All-Star game. He didn't, excuse me, he didn't cancel it. He moved it in the MLB draft out of Atlanta. And I was on a baseball site this morning, and I would say 70% of the participants were really upset over this. The other 30% said it was a bold and brave move. And then I posed the question, have you read the bill? Have you read the bill? Just like HR1, have you read the bill? crickets that's all you get are crickets in fact i got a debate and a debate with a guy on this when i posted my youtube video on my personal facebook and he's the only liberal that popped up there and said oh well you're going to see more of this across the united states and he said he read the bill and i said okay well then here's what i see in it and i will say this much it's 95 pages long so it's not that long, and it shows all the changes that they made to how they're going to handle voting. That's what it's about. Ninety-five pages. So I listed all the points that I came up with. All he does is throw out generalities, but then that's all he's known for. To the point, just about ready to drop him. Um, if you're going to come on my page and have a debate, then let's have a honest open debate and i leave it open to conservatives and liberals and independents because i really got a shit storm started back in january when i did this this one guy posted the picture of the guy with the confederate flag in the white house during the january 6th break-in what you can call it whatever you want to and i wrote an article i think we got like 150 comments on it those that were useless we got out of line, Were eliminated. Those that stayed on point, we had a debate. And some people unfriended me after that debate because not everyone did agreed with their position. And I was like, you know, they're keeping it clean and they're keeping it civil. So I guess you better get some thicker skin if you're going to come on here and state your position. Be ready to defend it. And that's why I don't like deleting people if they have an opposing view than mine, because that helps me understand their thinking pattern. And that's what a good debate is about. But if they're just stupid and they're vulgar and they're useless, they, they add nothing, then it's time for them to move on. And I keep telling this idiot to move on. But what was his last comment to me? Never. Well, that was real intelligent. What are you, a fifth grader or something? So Manfred is going to move the all-star game in the MLB draft out of Atlanta because of, as the media is selling it, the reinstitution of Jim Crow laws. And if you're not familiar with what they are, these were the laws that the southern states passed during the Reconstruction eras, and it just got worse. They wanted the black, they didn't want the blacks part of anything, and they had poll taxes. It was about segregation. There was no integration. And it was bad. You know, what if Lincoln would have lived? Would the Union have healed a lot better? Because under Johnson, a Democrat, it sure the hell didn't heal. He let the southern states put all the same people in power that were there when they seceded okay so what is he basing that basing this off of we're about to dive into the bill but here is what it's going to cost the city of Atlanta 49 to 65 million dollars in revenue that's not something to sneeze at is it that's what it cost them is going to cost them so for all the vendors and the businesses that have been spending money preparing for this all excited about it especially since Atlanta was also hit with riots last summer that they can kind of showcase the city that we're coming back we're getting it together now you get nothing so I hope that all these businesses that spent money did promotions, have had reservations from people, sue the ever-loving hell out of Manfred and the MLB, just like the fans did in 2011 when Jerry Jones oversold his tickets to the Super Bowl, of the Packers and the Steelers. I hope they sue the hell out of him. Lost revenue because that's what it's going to amount to. Okay, so here we go. Now, in Georgia, in the 2020 election, just for a little history, 65% of registered voters voted in the general election. 16 uh, just under 17,000 more votes were cast in the senate race than the presidential and 52,000 less in the house race and I thought that was really odd and then in this hotly debated runoff this I really didn't understand 10% fewer showed up for the Warnock Loeffler race and 11% fewer for the Purdue Ossoff why that made no sense to me those two senate seats were highly publicized hell ossoff raised a hundred million dollars but and then we had all the recounts and that's a different story but 65 percent of registered voters in in georgia In some of the other states, Pennsylvania, 88. Wisconsin, 88. Arizona, 78. Michigan, 66. Nevada, 86. Those were all battleground states. Those were the big swings. You see any voter suppression there? We heard about voter suppression before 2020. We heard about it during 2016. We heard about it when... 11 states contested the outcome of the 2016 presidential election. Yep, go look that up. Check that out. So what has Georgia done? Well, the claims are Jim Crow. We're bringing back Jim Crow, voter suppression, gerrymandering at its finest, reducing polling hours per Psaki, and Biden, and Pisaki actually said, Kemp doesn't know what's in the bill. Like she's read it? No. So let's get into this. The state election board under the secretary of state, each party will have a nominee voted on by the general assembly chairperson to be apolitical. No history of campaign contributions. They're going to set up a separate entity underneath the Secretary of State to be over all the elections. Let's see, following the 2018 and 20 elections, there was significant lack of confidence in Georgia election systems. Two thousand and eighteen. So two years prior to this, Georgia realizes We might have something going on here. With many electors concerned about allegations of rampant voter suppression and many electors concerned about allegations of rampant voter fraud. We all heard about the voter fraud. We all heard about the recounts. What Georgia had three, but they weren't questioning the recounts per se. Uh, Many Georgia election processes were challenged in court, including the subjective signature matching requirements by Georgians on all sides of the political spectrum before and after the 2020 general election. Once again, they realize they've got a problem. Now, I know Trump was jumping up and down last summer and raising holy hell about mail-in balloting and this, that, and the other. Okay, I get that. I understand that. But, you know, sometimes, Donald, it, it would have been best. As I said earlier about angels in the outfield, less is more. You know, sometimes I just wanted to put a muzzle over his mouth. And it's like, shut the hell up, dude. Because actually nobody's listening and you're just compounding an issue that doesn't need to be compounded. Well, that was then. Many Georgia election processes were challenged in court, including the subjective signature. Yeah, I went through that. The board discretion allowed to local officials for advanced voting dates and hours led to significant variations across the state and total number of hours of advanced voting depending on the county. More than 100 counties have never offered voting on Sunday, and many counters offered only a single day of weekend voting requiring two Saturday voting days and two optional Sunday voting days will dramatically increase the total voting hours for voters across the state of Georgia and all electors in Georgia will have access to multiple opportunities to vote in person on the weekend for the first time. Somebody tell me what in the hell is wrong with that? Anybody? He just said, this is where we were, this is where we're going, so we're adding more days, and we're suppressing the vote. The sanctity of the precinct was also brought into sharp focus in 2020 with many groups approaching electors while they waited in line. That is a no-no, and everybody knows it. When you go to the polling place of choice, if you go in person, You ever notice how you got all these signs huddled in one little corner like they're mating or something or they're going to start a fight and start rioting because you cannot have voting advertisements or propaganda. X amount of feet from the entrance of a voting place where I vote in Dallas, they're all in one little corner, all of them. Hey, you can't even see the names because there's so many stacked on top of each other. Make a totem pole at them or something. But we've all known that. We heard about this in 2016. We heard about it in 2012. You know, remember hearing about the Black Panthers in Philadelphia and this, that, and the other, and they were prowling around the polling locations and disrupting voters well everybody knows you can't do that not in the united states you're not supposed to be able to you can't influence voters in line it's that damn simple you can't do it well what if the lines are too long and what if you're thirsty and what if you're hungry hell I think the longest I ever stood in line was in 2000 when Junior was running against Gore and I lived in Plano, Texas. And I know it took at least an hour to cast our vote. And that's once we got inside the school. That's how many people had shown up. I didn't bitch and moan and whine and complain. And nobody else in line either did. No, nobody else in line was complaining either. They were just there. Okay. Oh, but this seems to be a big problem. We're going to get to that. The sanctity of the precinct was also brought up into sharp focus in 2020, with many groups approaching electors while we we went through that, with protecting electors from improper interference, political pressure, or intimidation while waiting in line to vote is of paramount importance to protecting the election system and ensuring elector confidence. Anybody got a problem with that? Raise your hand. Do you have a problem with the elections not being intimidated while you're standing in line? I would have a problem if someone tried to intimidate me. It's like, what the hell do you want? Okay. Okay. Now, there's another outcry that with this bill that the Republicans are going to wipe out all the Democratic voting superintendents. I've heard this multiple times. Here's what's in the bill. Removal of superintendents, no more than four counties at any one time. But it won't be willy-nilly. An investigation must be held with hearings. Just can't throw them out. By clear and convincing evidence, the county or municipal superintendent has, for at least two elections within a two-year period, demonstrated nonfeasance, malfeasance, or gross negligence in the administration of the elections. Not more than 30 or less than 90 days after petition is filed will they have their hearing. Well, if you listen to the media, oh, we'll just get rid. Of the, I mean, all Kemp's got to do is say, "Hey, I want all these guys fired or gals, whoever it is. I want to." Can't do it. There's a process. You better have proof. You better have facts because they're going to have a hearing. Now it doesn't say how long the hearing is going to last, but however long it lasts to get all the facts in. There it is, and then they'll make a determination. But you just can't walk in and say, I want Joe Blow gone because he's a Democrat, or I want Sally Susie gone because she's a Republican. you got to have cause. There's got to be a reason for removing a superintendent, and you can only have in one calendar year four that you're looking at. It's not the whole state. Yeah, I guess they missed that damn memo too nepotism will no longer be allowed for poll officers how about that you can't have your whole family working at a precinct isn't that a novel idea how about that i don't know how often that goes on but it makes sense because if you're a democratic or a republican family well, you and you've got full reign of how the ballots are counted, you can pretty well do whatever you want. No, that shit's done. I, I can see where the left would be upset about that. You following me here? Now, this was interesting. All counties will submit an an estimate of election cost for approval in the past this wasn't the case and not all counties received the appropriate funds to handle an election and Kemp points this out in the bill that a lot of counties didn't get the money they needed a disproportionate amount would go to the metropolitan areas and the surrounding areas well too bad you're on your own figure it out he's getting rid of that Yeah, it's going to cost more in Atlanta than it does in an outlying county. But just because they only have, say, 4,000 electors in that county, their votes are just as important as the 1 million in Fulton County, aren't they? Each individual vote carries the same weight, don't they? that's what our forefathers said and they discussed this at great length in the federalist papers how powerful one vote is and we saw in this last election just how important one vote is did we not i think we did okay Now, electors can be challenged one day before absentee balloting begins. If a petition is filed, it better be backed up. So if you want to bar someone from voting, once again, why? Tell us why Jerry Jones can't vote or George Sampson can't vote. Tell us why, because we'd really like to know. You just can't take them off the ballots without, once again, cause. You have to have cause. Now, this next section is really cool. If at the previous general election, a precinct contained more than 2,000 electors, and if all those electors desiring to vote had not completed voting, One hour following the closing of the polls, the superintendent shall either reduce the size of said precinct so that it shall contain not more than 2,000 electors in accordance with the procedures prescribed by this chapter for the division, alteration, and consolidation of precincts no later than six days before the next general election and provide additional voting equipment or poll workers or both before the next general election. What a novel idea. So... They're looking at all these polling precincts. And if you are still in line an hour after the polls closed, you can still vote. Kemp thinks that is outrageous and that needs to be fixed. So you need to bring in more machines and you need to bring in more poll workers. Basically, you better get it together. And by the title of one of my books, do your damn job. We want to streamline this. We don't want people waiting in line an hour after the polls close. What's the problem with that? You tell me, and we'll both know. And if a polling location is to be changed, moved, or closed, it must be advertised for two weeks before the election. One polling booth for each 250 electors. So if you've got 2,000 electors in your area, you better have, damn it, eight polling machines. See a problem with that? I don't. We want the voters in and we want them out. We don't want them standing in endless lines for hours. Now, absentee voting will will be in not earlier than seventy-eight days or less than eleven days before the election or runoff, and a ballot must be requested. You cannot The state is just not going to mail out ballots for the hell of it. You actually have to request it. What's wrong with that? What was it, Nevada or Pennsylvania that just sent ballots out to every registered voter? And some people showed up and they said they'd already voted and they never had. What they saw was that a ballot had been mailed to them, but they chose to come in person. So that's not going to happen again in Georgia. You want an absentee ballot, you're going to request it. Gee, that gets rid of ballot harvesting or it gets close to it. Now, I like this one. If, let's say, that you f- fill out an absentee ballot and you mail it in, and then you go in person and vote, you're going to pay them $100 because they're going to cross-check and make sure that you only voted once. Yeah, I see a lot of suppression there. Got to verify it. Now, let's say that you requested that mail-in ballot. You have 45 days to mail it in from the day they send it out. It'll still be valid 11 days after the election. Now, that I found interesting because that's like slowing down the process. But that's what I came across. But if they can verify it, Because, you know, I've had pieces of mail show up that were burnt because the truck caught on fire or it got lost, but they're giving them an 11 day grace period. Yeah, that's voter suppression. But when they, they do receive it, it will be verified your signature, your address, a valid ID. U.S. citizenship. Anybody have a problem with that? And I see now what I'm getting into the next one is this was actually something that I suggested on how to get rid of all this foolishness that we went through in 2020. Well, actually, that was a follow up to the other one. It's like, so. I mean, we got to have an ID for everything we do. You go to the bank, you got to have an ID. You want to cash a check, you got to have an ID. You know, when people wrote checks, you had to show a driver's license. We've always had to show some form of ID to do a lot of activities that we enjoy, like going to Speed Zone in Dallas. They have race cars there. You got a valid driver's license. If you don't, you don't get in the car. That's an ID. And that's just an amusement park. You go into a bar. Let's see your ID. Are you 21? If you're not, get out because we can lose our liquor license. You read H.R. 1, you don't need any of this. You don't need any identification whatsoever. None. Like I said, I'm going to do one later on that. Uh, The drop boxes. This seems to be a real Hot topic, and I remember them talking about them in Houston during the 2020 election. Oh, there aren't enough out there, blah, blah, blah. Well, they've decided one drop box for 100,000 registered electors, but it's going to be supervised 24 hours a day by two trained individuals or police. They're not going to be left alone, and when the time comes for them to empty that box, If it's empty, they have to fill out a a sheet of paper that says it was empty. If there are votes in there, they have to fill out a sheet that says how many ballots they received in there. And then this will be brought to the counting area. And if you listen to the media, well, there's only one for 100,000 people, but the questions they don't ask are, of those 100,000, you would, act, you would think that all of those people are going to use those drop boxes. They don't take into account that maybe they already mailed it in or maybe they already went and voted in person. You really think that 100,000 people are going to go and drop off their ballot in a box? Well, that's just ludicrous. That's analytics and that's stupidity at its finest. So... Population to 100,000, okay, so if you live in a county that's only got 50,000, well, I'm not sure if you'll get one, and if you do, it's going to be in a central part of the county, so you have a choice, do you want to vote down the street at the school, or the hardware store, whatever the polling place is, or do you want to drive four hours to drop off your ballot, a little common sense would really go a long way. In this debate advanced voting now if you listen to Biden and Pisaki well it's just ridiculous they've cut the hours you know what the hours were before the bill as Kemp said in his address yesterday they didn't have Saturday and Sunday voting and When they did, their voting hours were 9 to 4. Yeah, they eliminated that, and they replaced it with 9 to 5 or 7 to 7. That's at the superintendent's discretion of a polling precinct, and they can actually go longer if they have to. Well, if you implement what we saw earlier, and you have adequate machines, and you have adequate staff, if there's more than 2,000 electors, there won't be this jam up of people, will there? You can now vote Saturday and Sundays. I know where I vote, it's not open on Sunday, even during the early voting period. So they're expanding it. But that's suppressing the vote. Let that sink in. (sighs) Okay. They'll start counting absentee ballots the third Monday before the election. Any issues with the ballot and the elector will be notified by mail with an option of filling out a provisional ballot. So if they have a problem with it, and we heard about this in 2020, that people were just randomly calling and they didn't know why well it's gonna have to be verified if you receive a ballot and there's something wrong with it you can they can either they can do this provisional ballot or they can call the elector and find out what the hell did you do so they're double checking if there's a problem if a signature doesn't match if the address doesn't match if it's damaged if For some odd reason, the machine just won't read it. It's called checks and balances, kind of the way our federal government firstly was set up with checks and balances. And that's what's in this bill. Okay. Now let's talk about where the media has said They won't let them give them water or food because they're standing in line. Okay. Relating to restrictions on campaign activities and public opinion polling within the vicinity of a polling place, cellular phone use is prohibited. Prohibition of candidates from entering certain polling places and penalty as follows. No person shall solicit solicit votes in any manner or by any means or method, nor shall any person distribute or display any campaign material nor shall any person give, offer to give, or participate in the giving of any money or gifts, including but not limited to food and drink, to an elector, nor shall any person solicit signatures for any petition, nor shall any person other than election officials discharging their duties establish or set up any tables or booths on any day in which ballots are being cast. And that's within 150 feet of the outer edge of any building with a polling place within the precinct, or within 25 feet of any voter standing in the line to vote at any polling place. And we talked about that earlier. But election officials discharging their duties, and Kemp said it in his address, they can do it. If somebody needs a drink of water, they will bring it. Now, I'm sure they're not going to have Domino's pizzas or Caesar's pizzas stacked up because that would be ridiculous and costly. You know, eat before you go. I can understand if it's a hot day, people are going to get dehydrated. They're going to need a drink of water. Election officials can do that. But uh, a carload of people just can't show up and start handing stuff out with biden on their vehicle or trump on their vehicle or any other political candidate and people go oh look that campaign brought us water so that's who we're going to vote for that is not going to happen that is not allowed and that's what they're saying here anybody got a problem with that i'd be interested to hear oh What else is in this wonderful law? Now, this got interesting. The superintendents of these polling places are actually... Going to file a report on how many people voted. Like in the mail-in ballots, they're going to have a stack of them. And they're going to have to count all of those. And they're going to send a report in. Not who they voted for yet. They're going to send a report in that this is how many votes have been cast in this precinct. They're going to take that number and they're going to match it up to the registered voters in that precinct. So if you have 500,000 registered voters and you get 550,000 ballots, what does that tell you? It tells you something's wrong. Something is severely wrong. Now, were there duplicate votes? If so, get ready to pay 100 bucks. Was there a machine malfunction? Going to have to go through and check those. Was there a miscounting by hand? Going to have to go back and look at those. Again, we have, they are setting up a check and balance. Yet Delta and Coke have their panties in a wad. Over what? I just went through it, and if you've got a comment, the number is 888-627-6008, 6008. You tell me from what information I just passed on is so bad about this voting, this revised voting law in Georgia. What do you not like about it? And show me where Jim Crow laws apply to this bill. Anybody got any comments on that? I don't see it. I think this is well drafted, well thought out, with the exception of that one about the ballot is still good for 11 days if it shows up late. Other than that, I think Kemp has done a really good job trying to take what they've learned in the past starting before 2018, going through 2020, going through the January runoff, and trying to clean this up, expand voting hours, make it more efficient, and make sure that if you're voting by mail, oh, I forgot to do that. I forgot. Where's that one spot? Did I not make a note on that? I don't think I really covered it in depth. The ballot harvesting part, and as I said earlier, I made the suggestion. Let's say that Aunt Jenny or um, Aunt Susie are, are not ambulatory, but they want to vote. They're patriots. They want to do their civic duty, and they want to vote. Well, they're going to get one of their relatives say grandson joey who's 17 or 18 he's got to go fill out a piece of paper a sworn affidavit saying that he is the authorized representative of this of aunt jenny to deliver her ballot now that is where i believe the left and the dems get have their panties and an uproar well why because it gets rid of ballot harvesting are you you know some guy walks in and he's got a sack full he's got a mail sack full of ballots well where'd you get those oh i just drove around the neighborhood and picked them up we can't do that and is that somewhat of a burden some could say it is do you want to vote yeah Well, you know, a lot of men died for, and women died so you could have the right to vote. Now, if they're willing to make that sacrifice, uh, how is it a big sacrifice for you as an elector to do a little bit of work on your part and get that affidavit, get it signed, filled out, notarized, Take your filled-out ballot, give it to Joey, and Joey's going to go to the polling location or the ballot box. That's right, This ballot box too. He's got that affidavit. Those officials are going to say, what are you doing here? Well, I'm dropping off this ballot. For who? And the name is going to be on the front of the envelope. Well, for Jenny Cahill. You're not Jenny Cahill. Well, I know that. Do you have the sworn affidavit that you are authorized to drop off Jenny Cahill's ballot? Yes, sir, I do. Here it is. They're going to look at that. They're going to look at the envelope. They're going to say, go ahead, sir. Drop it in. Now, is that suppressing the vote? Maybe on Mars it is, but not in the United States. So you tell me what is so bad about the information that I just read off. I don't see anything wrong with it. And it's not because I'm a conservative. I'm looking at it from an analytical point of view and trying to determine, is this good or is this bad? In H.R. 1, there's a whole lot of bad in it. But there's also a few good things in it. And like I said, I'm going to do a different video on that. But this here, after going through it two times, And understanding what they're doing, why they're trying to do this. I mean, Georgia had a huge turnout to begin with. But as I stated earlier, in 16 and 8 and even 04, all we heard from the Democrats was voter suppression this and voter suppression that. And we definitely heard about it in 16 when Trump won. You know, only 58% of registered voters voted in 16, 74% voted in 2020. Now, doesn't that raise an eyebrow that something isn't right? And then these numbers that I shot off on Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, 88% voted, Nevada, Eighty-six, and I think it was Nevada that I really looked at. No, I think it was Arizona. That they had like 900,000 more voters in 2020 than it did in 2016. I mean, you just look at it. No, I haven't watched Mike Lindell's deal, and I'm not going to. I'm just going off of the information that I have gleaned and put together and analyzed. And that's what I come up with. And and I'm still scratching my head about 16,000 more votes were cast in the Senate race than the presidential race in Georgia and 52,000 less in the House races. Don't you think those would have been pretty close did people go in and just not vote for the president and just for the senate and then forgot about the people running for the house when you when you went to vote and you filled out a ballot are you telling me that you just voted for the president because especially in Texas we couldn't do straight line ballots this year you just couldn't check the republican side and you're done or the democratic side and you're done you had to fill out each race oh gee that was so time consuming what it take three four minutes to fill it out just nuts absolutely nuts And then as I stated earlier, you know, 10% fewer showed up in one Senate race and 11% in the other one. Why? I didn't hear an outcry over that when Ossov and Warnack won. Did you? No. Oh, they were jumping from the rafters. Voter suppression, my ass. So. That is my take on it. I don't see anything wrong with it. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. It's America. It's a choice. But if you don't agree, then take the time, find the bill. It's all of 95 pages. It'll take you, depending on how fast you read, a couple hours or so. And then disseminate what you've read. And then draw your own conclusion. I don't see anything in here. And believe me, I've gone through plenty of Republican bills that I didn't like through the years, like No Child Left Behind. Oh, that was a horror waiting to unfold. And the teachers got hammered with it one of George Bush Jr.'s worst bills. Read, uh, it, it was horrible because now it was the teacher's fault that these kids weren't excelling or passing grades. It didn't focus on the student. It focused on you're not doing your job. I've had guys in the construction world that said they knew what they were doing. And I hired them and they were fired in three days. I, I remember this one guy, he, I hired him as a blade operator and he hopped on the blade and I'm doing my thing and I turn around and he's been sitting in the same spot for like an hour and i turned turn around again. And he'd probably made one or two passes. And after about four hours of this foolishness, I walked up to him and said, dude, what the hell are you doing? He goes, man, I got to have a grade checker. I said, I told you when I hired you, you weren't getting a grade checker for what you got to do right now. All you got to do is shape it a little bit, okay? When I have the time, I'll send you a grade checker, and now is not the time. And he said, well, you know, son, I'm going to do you a favor. I said, what's that? Well. Well. I just think uh, I need to go someplace else and I'm not going to charge you for my my time. And I said, well, since you haven't done a damn thing, what were you going to charge me for in the first place? Yeah, I didn't pay him and he went on his way. And he was supposed to know what he was doing. Well, in that bill, every student, is basically at the same level. We, we were all in school. I was one of those kids. I was not on the same level with everybody else. I was at the bottom level because school was not my forte, and I've never made a bone about it. It was not my forte. So I struggled. I didn't blame it on the teachers. It wasn't their fault that I couldn't grasp geometry and trigonometry in physics, at that tender age, 16, well, say 13 through 18, my mind didn't think that way. I just, School was just, it was in the way. Let's be honest, it was just in the way. I wanted to do other things than studying chemistry. Chemistry was a disaster. I just was horrible in the sciences. Horrible, horrible. No way around it. Well, by that bill, it's the teacher's fault that Jeffrey isn't learning. If Jeffrey would have gone to one of those meetings and said, it ain't their fault, it's mine. But then that's what our government does well. It shifts blame, and definitely in the last 20 years, we have seen that. Nobody wants to be responsible for their actions. Let's, let's push it off on somebody else. It's their fault. Well, what about the individual who did it? And this goes back to voting. Do you not know how to vote? Do you not know how to go into the booth? They have poll workers there. I have taken friends to the polls. And I remember one day, this good friend of mine, he thought he'd filled the ballot out. He did. But, you know, when you get to the very end of the machine and it says confirm, he forgot to hit the confirm button. He got his ballot. He went to the counter. And they looked at him and said, uh, you've not filled this out properly. He was like, well, what, what, what? You didn't hit the confirm button. He goes, oh, and he didn't, but the poll worker helped him. So when people say, well, nobody knows how to vote. They, they don't, they, they need this, they need that. Go to the polling location. That's what those officials are there for. And every time I've gone, and I don't care where it was or where I was registered, they were always helpful. Do you understand how this new system works? No, I do not. Well, we're going to show you how it works. That would be great. If you make a mistake, you can go back and change it. But if you mess up your ballot, you'll have to return that ballot, we will destroy it, issue you another one, and walk you through the procedure again. Well, they are making sure that you get to perform your civic duty. And that your one vote will count. That's what they're there for. You can actually go to the library because that's where a lot of the polling locations are. Beforehand and ask them, how does this work? They will help you. Have you ever been to a library where they refused your help? I haven't. I know People would like to think they're becoming a thing in the past. Well, they're not. They're there to help. So anybody who says that they don't know how to do it, they can't do it, they're just being lazy from the get-go. They're just being lazy. Well, if you're that damn lazy, then you shouldn't be allowed to vote because you don't want to put in the time to learn how to do it in honor the men and women who have died for over 250 years. Is my math off today? Yeah, it's off. 245 years for your right to vote. Is that asking for too much? A little bit of effort? <clears throat> That's all this Georgia law is doing. It's streamlining the process, it's making it more accessible. Hours are being extended. More polling machines, 250. If you got 250, you got to have a machine for each increment of 250. If the waiting line was more than an hour, you're going to have to f- set up some additional sites or bring on additional machines and people to make sure they aren't standing there for an hour. Is that suppressing the vote? You tell me. I think he's streamlining it, and the left-wing media is extorting this. Have you heard any of this from them? I haven't even heard this from Fox. I heard it from Monday. I caught a little bit of WGN, and the first thing the reporter says is, we've read the bill. We've read the bill. And I forgot which part of it he was talking about, And after his in-depth analysis, he hadn't read the bill. So just because somebody says they've read it, let's see what you know about it. That'd be like saying, well, I went and saw the movie Patton. Well, what scene did you like the best? Well, I really like George C. Scott in it. Well, I understand that, but what scene did you like the best? Oh, I don't know that battle scene. Well, which battle scene? There's like half a dozen in the movie. Which one did you like the best? Man, I got to make a call. I got to go find something else. So you haven't seen the movie. So why are you lying to me? Because you wanted to be superior, and but we just found out you can't because you never saw it. So you don't have any knowledge. So why the hell am I wasting my time with you again? And, of course, we see a lot of that on the Facebook arguments. But when it comes from the news media and you believe it, you know, list them. PBS, CNN, ABC, CBS, MSNBC, Fox, Breitbart, Red State. And I do like Red State. But, you know, News Nation, go through them. Who's telling you the truth? I don't care what personalities you like because to me, the news is not about personalities, especially when you look at what these people are making from two to $10 million a year. I don't need a quote, news anchor star. I need somebody to tell me the news. And that's why I hope you enjoy listening to the show because I try and break it down And look at both sides. If I thought there was something bad in this Georgia bill, believe me, I'd point it out, as I said earlier on HR1, there's a whole lot of bad in it. But there are a few good things. You know, I I will say this, I caught and I can't stand her. Rachel Maddow was talking about the campaign reform in hr1 and that billionaires can't buy presidents anymore and i got to thinking are you listening to what you're saying because you just said that billionaires bought the presidency of 2020 and the horse you all backed won in fact there were two billionaires on the democratic ticket y'all remember that one, as Trump called him, Little Mikey, which I didn't appreciate when he said that. Mike Bloomberg, he's a billionaire, and I forgot who the other guy was. He was a billionaire. So are you saying it was the Democratic billionaires that bought the election for Joe? Well, she doesn't think, like most of them. They just talk and listen to their heads rattling. <laughs> Have their stupid little laughs and all that crap. Because to them, it is a show. The news isn't a serious business to them. Their opinions is what they think is serious about all this. You're not getting the news. Because in the HR1, and I've got to go back and look at it, but they're limiting the amount of that can be spent in a presidential election. It's $250 million. And it talks about the offshore accounts and all this. Okay, well, if it's $250 million, that's it. But then with each preceding year, then they've got to take in the cost of living and inflation. And it's like, Well, you just destroyed your own argument. You want to set it at 250, but now we're going to start making exceptions, and this is what Congress is so good at, making exceptions to the laws and the rules that they want to implement. Yeah, it talks about the offshore funds and trying to tighten that up. Okay. Well, if you have a ceiling on how much can be spent, remember, Ossoff raised $100 million for the Senate runoff in January, $100 million for a Senate race. Where'd all that money come from? Was it from the $25 donors? Uh-huh. And of course, was it Yang, who was telling people to move to Georgia immediately so they could vote in January? In the Georgia bill, no, that ain't going to happen. We're not going to have out-of-towners coming in and voting. You have to prove your residence. You got to prove your signature. You got to have a Georgia ID. Again, a novel idea, don't you think? And That's the way I look at this stuff. So why is the left all upset, and why did that panty-waist Manfred move the MLB game? Because he is an uninformed, uneducated idiot. I might have to back up on uneducated. I don't know where he went to college, and I really don't care. But he's obviously uninformed, just like everyone else that is knocking this bill down. I mean, I really like that where Biden said, oh, they're restricting it. They're restricting the hour. That's just ludicrous. I mean, five o'clock and people are still at work. Yet before that, it was nine to four. Didn't seem to be any outrage then, was there? Especially when they got, when both Senate seats went Democratic. You didn't hear an outcry over that, did you? No. But now that it's nine to five, it's a problem. And now that you can expand it to seven to seven, it's a problem. What a bunch of crap. Absolutely ridiculous. Okay. I think that pretty well covers what I wanted to go over on baseball. God, I want to watch games this year. I really do. I missed it so much last year. But to do that is like watching the NFL when they had their big BLM movement or the NBA, which I never watched. Of course, they learned their lesson, and they're having none of that this season. None of it. But for Manfred to do this really puts a bad taste in my mouth. And as one of my friends posted this morning was like, He hadn't watched any NFL games, and yeah, I caved towards the end of the season. I wanted to see the divisional games and the Super Bowl, but I wasn't completely invested in them. But, God, I was so invested in this baseball season. So I don't know. It's going to be real hard for me not to watch, and I'll just have to – Take it a day at a time, of course. Oh, anybody see the Tigers game in the snow and Miguel Cabrera hit a home run? That was pretty cool. That's what I love about baseball. You just never know what's going to happen in that damn sport. You never know what's going to happen. So I'll just have to take it a day at a time, and if I stick with my principles and my feelings about Manfred, I definitely won't be watching any games on ESPN because they're still doing their BLM crap and I can't stand their announcers anyway. But, man, watching the Rangers when Fox Sports Southwest has them, I'm really going to have to make a decision. And on the last note, and I usually do this at the beginning is I give a shout out to Dunstans and to the people that were that were there. And last night it was kind of a small group because one of them was working. Well, two of them were working, so they couldn't attend, but Jerry and Barry, Jerry and Patty were there. myself, and obviously, of course, our waitress, Tabitha and then Tracy showed up after the shift was over, and then a uh, gal who had managed there, she showed up late, but it was still a exciting evening. It's, if, if you like a good family atmosphere, good food, reasonably priced, Dunstan's has two locations, one on Harry Hines, one on Lover's Lane, It's just really good food. It's a good family atmosphere. You can take your kids there and relax and enjoy your evening. And, Stacy, I do have Tracy, I have your book. I'll be bringing it over after the show. And it was the last one that I had. I was so thankful I'd set one aside. And, Tabitha, I'm bringing your book, Irving Titans. That is my satire on the Dallas Cowboys from 1989 to 1995. So if you're a football fan, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, and you want to laugh, Irving Titans is really the book for you. And again, if you enjoy my show, you enjoy the content, I have a Jeff Dawson on Patreon, and I also have a GoFundMe, motivational speaker and author for hire. And that's all I have for this episode. I hope you all have a wonderful Easter Sunday because he is risen. I know I will be relaxed and enjoying it. And until then, I will talk to you all in two weeks. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did without you wonderful listeners. This show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com, on Amazon.com, websites LDDJ Enterprises and JeffDawsonAuthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook LDDJ Enterprises Publishing or email LDDJ Enterprises.com at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at JeffDawson59. Have a great week, and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain.